Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll talk with someone from the Columbus Regional Airport Authority. Then Kate Burdett discusses the upcoming Polar Plunge fundraiser for Special Olympics Ohio. In about 20 minutes, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS10TV, Tracy Townsend covers a number of topics. What you need to know and who to watch for in the householder trial in Cincinnati. State lawmakers say Ohio schools aren't getting the job done for children. Is the right answer to give control to the governor? Experts weigh in on that. And a central Ohio farm is the focus of a possible environmental mess that could threaten public health and safety. We have an update on what Ohio's AG says he's doing about it. And I'll wrap up the hour talking with Matt McLaren with Ohio Find It Here, the state's tourism division. First up on Columbus Perspective on the phone with me. Sarah McQuaid, who is the manager of communications and marketing for the Columbus Regional Airport Authority. How are you? Hey, Dave. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking to us. What, uh, tell us what the Columbus Regional Airport Authority is. Sure. So the Columbus Regional Airport Authority uh, actually operates three airports. John Glenn Columbus International Airport, which is our passenger-focused airport. Rickenbacker International, which is our cargo-focused airport. And a general aviation airport, Bolton Field. Okay. And uh, we were going to talk today about some of the things that are going on with uh, especially John Glenn Columbus International. Looks like things are just about back to normal these days. They're definitely getting there. We had a really busy 2022. Uh, Our numbers are in and and we had almost 8 million passengers traveling through John Glenn Columbus International, as well as the Rickenbacker Passenger Terminal. And that was a 27% increase over 2021. Okay, and you're up to, what, close to 90% of what it was like before the pandemic? That's right. Yeah, 2019 was our record-breaking year before the pandemic. And, yeah, yeah, we were at 87% of that activity in 2022. And also, over the last few years, there's been a lot more comfortable accommodations. You know, a lot of the renovations at the airport that went on forever have been completed. So it's just a much better experience these days than it ever has been, I think. Yeah, for sure. The uh, customer experience is really important to us um, with with the airport authority and some new things at John Glenn that passengers can enjoy include a new lounge. Uh, It's called the Escape Lounge, the Centurion Studio Partner. That's located on Concourse B. Uh, We also have Vaunt Car Care Services, which launched um, in 22 as well. And that's where people can drop off their car, uh, head out for their trip, and when they come back, their car is cleaned, detailed, oil changed. Uh, you can choose from a number of different services. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. You've also added, uh, there have been a whole bunch of new destinations that have been added in recent months as well. Yeah, uh, now is a really great time to fly. Uh, passenger air service has been growing and we're now offering 50 nonstop destinations from uh, John Glenn and Rickenbacker. And that's actually more than we had prior to the pandemic. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Right before the pandemic, things were starting to ramp up. I think you had just really kind of opened up California with nonstop flights and all of that has returned now, right? Yeah, we, we actually have three destinations served nonstop to California now. Um, the latest destination that was added is Orange County, California, which is um, near the Los Angeles area. And that is, that is a new route that Breeze Airways announced. So really excited about that. And it works well with uh, the airport authority because some of these uh, 
lower fare airlines that use secondary airports use Rickenbacker. So it just makes it a, a nice uh, kind of joint venture between the two airports here working with those airlines, I would think. Yeah, there are lots of options right now. So it's it's really a great time to fly. Talking with Sarah McQuaid, she is the manager of communications and marketing for the Columbus Regional Airport Authority. Back during the Christmas season, when all these delays happen, what kind of a logistical nightmare? Uh, you know, we know that the airlines are struggling with all that. What happens with the with the airport itself when stuff like that's happening? Well, yeah, it's it's never fun when uh, weather gets in the way of your travel plans. But um, you know, we do have. Uh, a great team here at uh, at our airports that are responsible for keeping the runways clear of snow and ice. And so, you know, weather will always um, have an impact, but we, we did our best and, and did keep the airport open and operational throughout those storms. Um, they start training actually in the fall each year. And um, as soon as, you know, the snow starts falling or ice starts accumulating, they're out there working to keep it clear. It's kind of an interesting situation, it seems like, because most of the people at the airport don't work for the airport, I'm guessing. You know, they work for the airlines and the stores that are inside and all that kind of thing. And yet, I would guess also that you must have to ramp up some some sort of efforts when there's a lot of people stranded at the airport and, and foot traffic is higher than normal. Yeah, well, and there's also, you know, people tracking in snow and ice and salt, and so... When we do experience delays and things like that, our uh, staff, especially our custodial and our facility staff, work really hard and put in extra time and effort to make it a comfortable environment for passengers. Uh, but, yeah, there are, you know, a lot of uh, good restaurant and, and shopping options, thankfully, uh, so that can help pass the time a little bit. What seems to be the more popular destinations that people fly to out of Columbus? Well, right now, as we are... Uh, we're in winter now, uh, a lot of popular seasonal routes are returning, and that includes a lot of nonstop flights and destinations uh, in places like Mexico, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Arizona. Uh, those tend to be some, some busy flights, as well as um, uh, just anywhere with a beach, mountains, things that kind of get people, you know, as we're getting the cabin fever, as we're stuck in our houses, over the winter, we start kind of daydreaming about where we can go to get away. Um, so really, you know, with 50 nonstop destinations, uh, it can be as easy as just heading to our website, flycolumbus.com. You can look at a map that shows all the nonstop flights from Columbus and kind of close your eyes and just pick one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would guess in the summertime, maybe things switch more to international or, or domestic flights heading more towards Chicago California out that way. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, in the summer and spring as well, there, there are a lot of um, popular routes to vacation destinations. That's, that's absolutely right. And, um, but really throughout the year, it's um, most of these flights are, are, are staying pretty full. And tell us about any uh, new improvements that are going on at the airport. I think uh, the rental car system has changed quite a bit, right? Yeah, so the, we um, opened a new rental car center. Actually, that was in uh, late 2021, and it's it's been working really well. It's um, a, a really improved experience for anyone renting a vehicle. Uh, so that's been going really well. And, um, yeah, you know, aside from that, just looking at 
um, different ways to enhance the customer experience. Like I mentioned, the, the new lounge that opened recently, um, the new car care services. Uh, we also added 1,700 new spaces to our parking garage at CMH, uh, as well as 20 new electric vehicle charging stations. So it's just another way we're, we're giving more options to passengers so that they can really enjoy that travel experience. Sarah McQuaid joining us. She's the manager of communications and marketing for the Columbus Regional Airport Authority. And real quick, I wanted to touch on Rickenbacker. How is it going down there as far as I know that that's a huge cargo airport, but also does offer some of these uh, low cost airlines to popular destinations. How are things going there? Rickenbacker is is a really um, popular place to fly out of. Um, you know, it's, it's a well kept secret for some, but uh, uh as as we're, our numbers are showing, uh, passenger traffic continues to grow out at that airport as well. So I think, you know, people enjoy the convenience of being able to park and, and walk right to your gate. Um, there are several nonstop destinations offered from Rickenbacker uh, through Allegiant, and uh, a lot of those include kind of the the beach destinations, a lot of destinations in Florida and that kind of thing. So it, it remains to be a, a popular option. And with all the new businesses coming to Columbus these days, I would guess that the cargo side of things is just going to go through the roof over the next few years. Yeah, so cargo has um, really been growing, uh, not just in the past few years, but um, in the past decade, really, uh, things have continued to grow as far as our cargo operations. And in the past year, in 2022, we actually noticed uh, a healthy diversification of cargo shipments. Uh, so that means not just, you know, fashion or retail, um, but also some, uh, we saw a lot of electronics, uh, automotive and medical supplies coming through Rickenbacker. Sarah McQuaid joining us from the Columbus Regional Airport Authority. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I, you know, I would just remind people to uh, check out flycolumbus.com. You can find everything you need to know about uh, flying through uh, our Columbus airports at that website. Great. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for your time today. Sure appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com and Thanks for listening. The future depends on teachers. Every day, teachers are shaping our tomorrows, starting their students on journeys that will change the course of history. Right now, in a classroom somewhere in the United States, there's a teacher inspiring a future scientist who will make preventing pandemics their life's work, sharpening the mind of an aspiring environmentalist who will help combat climate change and generating possibilities for a student who will be the first in their family to graduate college. It all starts with teachers who meet challenges with creativity, who reinvent education for the future, who work towards a school system that lifts up every child, regardless of race, income, or zip code, and who enable the full potential of our students, our communities, and our country. Explore a career that leaves a legacy you can be proud of. Shape the future. Teach. Learn more and receive free support at teach.org.
This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Here's Kate Burdett. I'm joined today by Haley Melcher, the Manager of Partnerships and Events for Special Olympics Ohio. Hi, Haley. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, we have something very important to talk about because on Saturday, February 11th, a whole lot of people are going to jump in some really cold water in Columbus, aren't they? Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully the weather holds out for us. (laughs) We are talking about the Columbus Polar Plunge. In fact, it's one of many throughout the state here in Columbus. It's happening on Saturday the 11th and you have uh, a new venue for this event, don't you? Yes, we are so excited. Um, We are working with the Columbus crew this year, and we'll be hosting at Lower.com Field on their Southeast Plaza. Oh, how cool. (laughs) Sorry about the pun there. Um, Now, (laughs) is there going to be like a swimming pool? How does this work? Yes. So we will have a pool this year. Um, It is 18 feet by nine feet. So probably about three or four people can jump together um, at one time. We'll have a staged platform for them to jump off of. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully, um, like I said, the weather holds out for for us and people can jump into the cold water and get out and run to one of our heated changing tents, which we're also super excited this year about. The slogan for the Polar Plunge is freezing for a reason. Let's talk a little bit, Haley, about the reason for Polar Plunges, and that is the athletes of Special Olympics Ohio. Tell us how Special Olympics Ohio impacts people all over the state. Yeah, so we have about 20,000 athletes that are part of Special Olympics Ohio. Um, Like you said, they're all across the state, and each one of their local programs that they are part of um, can partake in these Polar Plunges and help fundraise for their local program as well as the state itself. So if you sign up along with your local program, um, you get 70% of those proceeds go straight back to your local program in your area, and then 30% go back to the state. And that 30% in what we're using on the state level goes to holding our state games, um, summer, winter, and fall, as well as all of the other programs that we offer um, in Special Olympics Ohio. So that is our Healthy Athletes Program with free health screenings for each one of our athletes, as well as our unified schools um, and our athlete leadership. Tell us a little more about the unified schools. That's something new, isn't it? It is fairly new. Um, The Unified Champions Schools um, aims to promote social inclusion through the initiatives and strategies that affect the systems, wide change in the K through 12 schools and on college and university campuses. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that qualifies someone to be a Special Olympics athlete? Yeah, so to be an athlete, um, it's just those with an intellectual disability, um, and you just have to be eight years or older. There's no cutoff age um, after that, and you can participate in any one of our 19 sports that we offer. We also have our Young Athletes Program, and this is for early childhood um, play for a program for children with or without intellectual disabilities, and that's anywhere from ages two to seven. It sounds like there's a lot of great opportunities for people with and without disabilities to be involved. Where can someone find more information about Special Olympics Ohio? Yeah, so you just go to SOOH.org, and that has all the information about our sports programming, our healthy young athletes, um, our health initiatives, the athlete leadership, the Unified Champion Schools, and then all the events that we host as well, the Polar Plunge being one of them. It sounds like you have a pretty full calendar, not just during polar plunge season. And for those listening who may be interested in volunteering or donating, can they find that information on your website as well? 
Yeah, definitely. So there is an about us um, and a get involved area as well. And that tells you a little bit more about Special Olympics Ohio. And then there is an as a volunteer get involved section. So you can sign up, submit your information, or you can become a coach or an athlete on that site as well. Very cool. There's the there's that word again. Let's go back to the polar plunge. So the Columbus Polar Plunge is on Saturday, February 11th. And we're talking with Haley Melcher from Special Olympics Ohio. It's one of their signature fundraising events, the Polar Plunge, and they do them all over the state. This one in Columbus is a pretty big one, and it's going to be happening at Lower.com Field. Haley, have you yourself ever done a Polar Plunge? I have not. Um, so this will be my first year. I will, will not only be running the event, but I will also be taking the plunge alongside everyone else as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Good for you. What um, advice do you have for someone that might be considering doing the polar plunge or maybe they're a little bit afraid of the cold? Yeah. So the really cool thing this year is so you can decide to take the plunge and actually jump in the water and fundraise. But we also brought back our two chicken to plunge option. So that is the option to sign up. Um, you can fundraise alongside us. You can join us a day of events. You get a fun two chicken to plunge t-shirt, but you don't actually have to commit to jumping in the cold water. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. It's a great it. option for those that, you know, just aren't quite sure about jumping into that icy water. That's quite a commitment to make, especially as cold as some of the weather has been around here in central Ohio. So it's nice that you offer that. Now, I would imagine all of your fundraising can be done online. It's pretty easy for participants to get involved. Is that a different website? I know you said it's on the Special Olympics website, but is there a specific web address we should look for to sign up for the Columbus Polar Plunge? Yeah, it's actually super simple. Just go to columbuspolarplunge.org. Excellent. I would imagine there will be other activities the day of the event as well. And are spectators allowed to come and watch the craziness? Yes, all are welcome. Bring your family, friends, whoever. Um, we'll have a DJ. Cameron Fontana will be our MC for the day, which is super exciting and fun. We will have um, some yard games that will be provided by the Columbus crew. So we'll have big Jenga and cornhole and connect four for people to play outside. Sheets will be on site. They're one of our sponsors. Um, and they'll be on site giving, doing some giveaways. And then we will also have the pub open. So it's a nice space to go inside catch the warmth, um, but you can still see what's going on on the plaza and still watch the plunge from inside as well. I would imagine there might be some plungers that need a little liquid courage before getting in the pool. Yes, we will have alcoholic beverage for sale, obviously 21 and over, um, and then we'll have free hot chocolate, free coffee, and then just sodas and water available as well. It's the Columbus Polar Plunge to benefit Special Olympics Ohio. They have athletes participating in their programs year-round all over the state of Ohio. I encourage everyone to check out opportunities. Maybe you just want to go and cheer on the athletes. There's always something happening. You can find all that information on their website at SOOH.org. And again, ColumbusPolarPlunge.org is where you can get registered. It's going to be here before we know it, Saturday the 11th of February at Lower.com Field, the Columbus Polar Plunge. Did I miss anything, Haley? Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I think that's everything. Um, you can get online, um, hit take the plunge, choose whether or not you want to be a general plunger or two chicken to plunge and just start fundraising. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. I will be cheering everyone on from a very warm place. <laughs> <laughs> green, green, green. It's our home. It's our dream. 
said making it green is making sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Make sure you test your home for radon. It's easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. Make it green, green, green. A message from the US EPA. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. We put our lives on the line for our country. We braved the unknown. We did what we were told. And we lit up. Our cigarette packs were as valuable as the packs on our back. Maybe more. At one point, cigarettes were part of our daily ration. Smoke them if you got them. And boy, we were smoking them. Bumming a smoke was the norm. It was an escape from the reality of dirt, sweat, and forgetting how many days you were so far from home. Never had to worry so long as you had a light and the smoking lamp was lit. If that was you then, get your lungs screened now. Surviving lung cancer starts with a scan. Learn more at ScreenYourLungs.org. And thank you for your service. This PSA was made possible by industry funding and guidance from lung cancer patient groups. Need to visit the Ohio BMV? Go online first. It could save you a trip. It's now easier and more convenient than ever to get what you need from the BMV online. Need to renew your driver's license? Renew online. And if you need to renew your vehicle registration, visit one of our new BMV Express kiosks or go online. If you do need to visit a BMV agency, use the Get In Line online tool, also found on the website, to save your spot and minimize your time waiting. For more services available online, check out bmv.ohio.gov. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend. From her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Thank you for joining us for Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. We're going to start this morning with a look at the Larry Householder trial surrounding that House Bill 6 scandal. Householder is accused in one of the largest bribery schemes in our state. It centers around his time as Speaker of the House, dark money, and first energy. David DeVillers was the U.S. attorney when charges were first announced in 2020. We talked with him about what to watch for in this case. The one thing jurors always do is file instructions. And if those jury instructions are, are, are and I'm sure they will be, Judge Black is, is the judge, um, follow those rules, then a just verdict will happen. We also asked him about why you should be watching this big case very closely. Anytime we're talking about the rule of law, the public should care. Everything begins and ends with rule of law. And without rule of law, we don't become a state. We're not a government. Regardless of the outcome, that people understand a little bit more about dark money groups, a little bit more about quid pro quo, and, and kind of learn from this. And, and I, honestly, I think a lot of politicians and, and political figures have learned about this. And even if they have the, the, the right heart, there's certain rules that they need to follow. And, and hopefully uh, it's, it's brought some attention to those rules. There are years of history related to this particular case. 10TV's Andrew Kinsey now walks us through how we got here. Let's start here. First Energy had been asking Ohio lawmakers for money for two nuclear plants. 
According to the FBI, First Energy routed more than $60 million to 501c4 groups. The complaint doesn't directly name or charge First Energy, instead refers to it as Company A. Here's why this is important. 501c4s are not required to reveal their donors, sometimes referred to as dark money groups. According to the complaint, those groups were controlled by then-Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder. Allegedly, Company A sent most of the money to a dark money nonprofit called Generation Now to support candidates Householder chose, in turn helping him win his bid to Ohio House Speaker. In 2019, Householder earned that title with 26 Republicans and 26 Democrats. Shortly after House Bill 6 is introduced, it provided a billion-dollar subsidy to fund the original two nuclear plants. It passed the House and Senate, and then in July of 2019, Governor Mike DeWine signed it into law. The complaint lists a number of dark money groups, including Generation Now and political action committees where money was allegedly sent. That is not illegal, but what is unlawful is how the money was allegedly spent. One, to get Householder elected and elect others who would help him acquire the subsidies. Two, the FBI says Householder used the money for personal benefits, like paying off a lawsuit and to fix a house he owned in Florida. And three, it alleges money was used on advertising and other efforts to pass House Bill 6. As a result, Householder and four alleged co-conspirators were arrested and charged in a racketeering and bribery case. Two of those men pleaded guilty. A third, longtime lobbyist Neil Clark, died by suicide. Three months later, Householder is expelled from the Ohio House. Only Householder and former GOP chair Matt Borges have challenged the case against them. That was Andrew Kinsey reporting. You can count on 10TV to keep you updated every step of the way during this trial. Look for our coverage right here on air and at 10TV.com. One sports betting company now has to pay up. The Ohio Casino Commission voted to fine Caesars $150,000 for breaking advertising rules. Caesars is one of several gambling providers accused of using the words free or risk-free or by having gambling prevention messages that were either too small or missing altogether. Representatives from Caesars told the commission what they did after learning about the issue. We immediately reached out to the affiliate. Uh, we alerted them to the findings that you had uh, provided us, uh, and we terminated our relationship with that affiliate, not only in the state of Ohio, but uh, nationally. Now, as far as the other companies accused of breaking the rules, PlayUp and Penn Sports Interactive are waiting on a hearing date. DraftKings and BetMGM haven't requested a hearing. They have a couple of weeks to still do that. All of the advertising rules are meant to cut down the risk of gambling addiction. If you or someone you know needs help, there's a 24-hour hotline you can call. The number is 1-800-522-4700. There is concern over state voting changes recently signed into law. The Franklin County Recorder pointed out that a law makes it so that even veteran IDs handed out by their office won't work at the polls. What we have to do is, you know, we might possibly have to reach out to all these veterans and say, hey, this ID law that was passed, um, it, it, it'll negate your ability to use that veteran ID card that you got the same day from our office, uh, you know, a few years ago. The one that you've used to vote in the 2018, 19, 20, 21 and 22 elections. 
Now, under this new legislation, you can still use a U.S. military ID, Ohio National Guard, or U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. The law also eliminates early voting on the Monday before Election Day, eliminates most August special elections, and shortens the deadline to apply to cast absentee ballots by mail. Now, when we asked the governor's office to respond to the concerns, that office redirected us to the bill's sponsor. Secretary of State Frank LaRose told 10TV that any voter can vote absentee without having a photo ID. When we asked his spokesperson if LaRose, the Secretary of State, would interview, do an interview with us about this issue, we were told no and then redirected to the Franklin County Board of Elections and the bill's sponsor. So we'll continue to follow that. There is a push to make more people eligible for medical marijuana in our state. Senate Bill 9 would add more qualifying conditions, including arthritis, migraines, autism, and chronic muscle spasms. This bill also aims to create a division of marijuana control as part of the Department of Commerce to provide licenses and to oversee dispensaries. Here's what the bill's sponsor said before committee. To me, this bill is about business. Uh, and and in, in medicine, the number one thing is to keep your patient's um, best interest in mind, and that, was, that is what this bill does um, from a business aspect. We also, in this bill, expand the number of medical conditions that are eligible for marijuana, medical marijuana, and we also give the discretionary authority to the physician to work with his or her patient to figure out what is in the best interest of the patient. There's also a piece of legislation that would allow Ohioans to make and consume their own moonshine without a permit. It's Senate Bill 13. Under the bill, you aren't allowed to sell the moonshine, and a household of two or more people can make a maximum of 200 gallons of moonshine a year. A similar piece of legislation has been introduced before. It did not pass. Senator Sherrod Brown will have competition this next election. Ohio lawmaker Matt Dolan announced he's going to run for U.S. Senate. He's the first Republican to enter the race. Dolan, as you may remember, is from the Cleveland area. Last year, he ran for former Senator Rob Portman's seat and lost. J.D. Vance, who former President Trump endorsed, won. We did ask Dolan if he thinks that will play a role in the election next time. I am my own person. Uh, I run on what I believe is the best for Ohioans, and I don't rely on outsiders uh, to to set the direction of my campaign or become dependent upon it. I will continue to do that. All the reasons I said, I have the the experience in the public and the private sector. I have the uh, conservative record that has produced results. I can prosecute Sherry Brown, and I can actually get things done in Washington, which is what Ohioans really want. Who has control over your child's classroom could change. We're going to take a look at a new proposal aimed to take away power from the State Board of Education. And the amoxicillin shortage is now hitting parents hard. Ohio Pharmacists Association explains why you can't find the medicine you need. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... I had a fever and these terrible headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. I had Zika virus from a mosquito. He had a reaction to cockroach allergens. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Get the facts. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association. Hey, this is Grace Gostet. 
I'm a singer-songwriter, and like many, I've been traumatized by years of bullying. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're gay. You're worthless. Bullying causes real harm and can result in severe long-term depression, anxiety, addiction, and even self-harm. I created the Black Box Project for anyone who has ever felt different for any reason. Go to theblackboxproject.org to help you take the first step to healing. You are not alone. Times of transition, whether from a sad event or a joyful one, can leave us feeling adrift. Social connections are an important part of a healthy life. Being isolated and lonely can be harmful to your health. It can lead to high blood pressure, a greater risk of heart disease, and early-onset dementia. So it's important to build and maintain connections to people, not just in your family, but others whose relationships bring meaning to your life. Trying a new hobby, volunteering, exercising, even using your phone or other device to stay in touch with others. All these can be great ways to keep up your social connections and your physical and mental well-being. Visit connecttoeffect.org to see if you're at risk of social isolation and find ways to get connected. This message is brought to you by United Healthcare and AARP Foundation. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Welcome back. There's debate in the State House about the future of the Department of Education and the State Board of Education. 10TV's Kevin Landers looked into the plan to create a new education entity that would be controlled by the governor's office. That the current structure is failing our kids. In the eyes of some Ohio lawmakers... Well, we've got systemic problems that need to be corrected. Ohio schools aren't getting the job done. And last year, nearly a third of students were chronically absent including almost half of all African-American students in the state. Enter Senate Bill 1, which would do away with the Ohio Department of Education and create a new office called the Department of Education and Workforce run by the governor's office. It will consist of two divisions, the Division of Primary and Secondary Education and the Division of Career Tech Education. Supporters say too much emphasis is placed on ACT and SAT scores and not enough on teaching children about developing a trade, especially those who can't afford college. As a parent, I would want to know specifics. If you're going to take over, you tell me what that's going to look like in a district. And honestly, I don't think they can at this point. Opponents of SB1, like Ohio Department of Education board member Antoinette Miranda, says the bill lacks specifics. It lacks details how the legislation will raise test scores. She questions how it will improve attendance, improve math scores, or increase accountability. But if you press them on what is this going to look like at the state level in the governor's office, they cannot give you an answer. And that, to me, is really scary. The bill's sponsor was asked exactly how it would improve accountability to improve schools. It would be up to the new uh, department to basically reevaluate the system on how we would do that. That was 10TV's Kevin Landers reporting. Opponents also say they're concerned about what this bill could mean to the pool of candidates who want to be the new superintendent. Under Senate Bill 1, that position would not have the power it has right now and instead would be more of an advisor to the new Board of Education. The topic of LGBTQ student rights is something the State Board of Ed talked about last year. It's also the center of a lawsuit filed against Hilliard City Schools. 10TV's Brian Somerville talks with a mother and plaintiff in this matter and gets a response from the school district. Where do you fall on this argument? 
Well, I'm one of the plaintiffs. Lisa Chafee, the director of parents' rights and education for Ohio and mother of a Hilliard District student, says after trying to work with the district to no resolution, Tuesday's lawsuit against Hilliard City Schools is a necessity, saying parents should have the right to know what is happening with their child. If a parent is denied the knowledge that their child is having mental health issues, no matter what the reason... They are robbing that parent the opportunity to shower their child with the unconditional love and support that the majority of parents do and that all children need. She says a handful of teachers and administrators at HCS are using recommended changes to Title IX dealing with extra protection for LGBTQ students as a platform to not share critical information with parents. They are using those proposed changes to write policy to say it's because of Title IX that we can't tell parents when their kids are having gender dysphoria or if they happen to be a member of the LGBTQ community and having mental distress, they're afraid to tell the parents. Chafee is one of eight plaintiffs on the lawsuit. The district responded to that suit. Superintendent David Stewart saying the district is committed to a transparent and vigorous defense against this lawsuit, which is notably filled with misstatements of fact and mischaracterizations. It also calls out different mentions from the use of surveys asking for student pronouns, badges worn by teachers for LGBTQ students with objectionable material inappropriate for students that are now covered, and the role of counselors, versus teachers. There are going to be some, though, Lisa, who say the reason we are seeing this lawsuit, the reason we are hearing about these issues is because this group of right now eight plaintiffs, Mm -hmm. right wing, that's why we're seeing this. What do you say to that? First of all, as I've always said, I'm not anti anybody. I love all kids. Superintendent Stewart says making broad brush accusations such as these in this lawsuit detract from the district's mission and the educational efforts of our dedicated staff and teachers. Chafee believes she, her group, and the majority of Hilliard educators want the same thing, for students to feel valued and safe. Bryant Somerville, 10 TV News. Chafee says plaintiffs are willing to sit down with the district for a compromise, hoping to keep this matter out of the courts. The district's administrators say it looks forward to filing its response in court. We will certainly continue to follow this and keep you updated every step of the way. $48 million in federal grants going to child care and education in our state. According to the governor's office, the money will be used for child care worker training, expanding child care for those with special needs, and increasing awareness about help that is available for families. Across the state, parents are searching for amoxicillin. Kids and parents fighting off respiratory viruses and the secondary infections are feeling the worst of it. 10 TV's Lindsay Mills asked the Ohio Pharmacists Association what's behind the shortage. Here at the Sheber Family Pharmacy in Circleville, the supply of amoxicillin was critical up until about two weeks ago. It's frightening to think about not being able to have a child that's suffering and not be able to get an antibiotic. As a father and grandfather, Larry Sheber knows the stress a shortage can cause a parent to feel. As a pharmacist owning this shop for more than 30 years, he also knows shortages are nothing new. But he says they've never been this significant when it comes to a common antibiotic. Amoxicillin is in short supply. The FDA expects it could be the case for months. Why? 
It's in high demand. With the surge in RSV and flu cases this fall, there were a lot of secondary infections that required this antibiotic for treatment. And according to the Ohio Pharmacist Association, a few key chemicals used in pediatric formulations sourced from abroad are not able to be shipped in time to meet demand. The number of times that we've seen shortages that affect um, critical medications um, it continues to be a, a problem. Pharmacists agree this points to a bigger problem, the supply chain. This has really underscored the, the vulnerability here, and I, I'm hoping maybe the FDA will take a look at this. So what can you do if you can't find what you need? For amoxicillin, ask your doctor or pharmacist for an alternative antibiotic. Or ask if there are different doses, concentrations, capsules, or tablets that could work. Whatever it takes to get the patient taken care of. And for now, the amoxicillin shortage is slowly subsiding here in Circleville. But as you can see, they're still feeling the effects of shortages of things like ibuprofen and children's Tylenol, those over-the-counter medications. In Circleville, Lindsay Mills, 10TV News. The FDA has a full online database of medications that are impacted by shortages. To check to see if your medication's on that list, check out the link on the 10TV app. The Ohio Attorney General is focusing in on a possible environmental mess. The smell sometimes can be horrific. Ahead, why Dave Yost is looking into a large spill that left a foul smell. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I got to tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation, and it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. The Ohio Attorney General is asking a farm owner in Morrow County to stop what it's doing, arguing that it could pose a hazard. This comes after an environmental spill last month. Chief investigative reporter Bennett Haverly explains what comes next. For years, neighbors living near this Morrow County farm have complained about foul odors and raised concerns about what's happening here. It it just goes on and on. If it's not this spill, it's something else. It's the trucks, it's the smell. We feel helpless, really. Ten Investigates first reported on a company called Renergy back in 2019. It has operated on this farm for years, collecting animal manure and other waste, placing it in the digester, which then helps create electricity. The leftover waste product has been spread on the fields as fertilizer. But last fall, Ohio's EPA and the Ohio Attorney General's Office accused the farm and those who operate it of taking in too much material and improperly storing it in these tanks. The farm owner told 10 Investigates they're still making repairs to their operation, but declined to comment further. The torn up earth is what's left over from an incident four weeks ago. The problem was that back on Christmas Eve, the digester behind me malfunctioned and 150,000 gallons of manure and other waste products spilled onto neighboring properties. 
John Dobbikin lives across the street. He showed me a sample of the material he collected in this mason jar from the thousands of gallons that had to be cleaned up from his property. That's it, huh? That's it. Building something like this uphill from everything drained it down to the river, it's, uh, I don't know, a mess. I asked John and his wife Carol what are their outstanding concerns. Contamination of water, for one thing. Of course, our front yard is full of, the word would be, you aren't going to want to hear the word I say, but it's a short word, you know, it starts with an S. Uh, yeah, I've got, we've got kids and stuff around here, and it's, this has been our home. The smell sometimes can be horrific. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost's office has asked a judge for a preliminary injunction, seeking to stop the farm from activities that the state alleges threaten public health, safety, and the environment. In Morrow County, Bennett Haberly. 10 investigates. The farm operator, Alex Ringler, said he would have a public public relations firm they work with contact us here with further comment. We'll certainly let you know when we hear back. Ohio lawmakers in Washington are pushing for better protection for mail carriers. And this comes as we are learning about more reports of postal workers getting robbed on the job. The crimes aren't tied to one location either. And it's not just an Ohio issue. 10TV's Kevin Landers talked with a local mail carrier who says he's worried about his safety. Hey, Mr. Honey. Zaire White is nearing his seventh year as a mail carrier. I'm out here by myself for about 10 hours out the day. Alone and now concerned. It makes you scared and nervous and stuff like that. He's talking about a series of mail carrier robberies on the job like this incident in German Village in late December. When they come up with us with guns or whatever it is, just give them what they want or what they ask for. Don't try to fight for it. He showed us what thieves are after. It's called an arrow key that can open these blue collection boxes. This little key right here, uh, they just want this. That's that's literally all they want. So we're trying to figure out a way to, to make it to where we don't have to carry these keys around us. Mail carrier safety has reached the halls of the nation's capital. In response to the latest mail carrier robbery, we contacted Congresswoman Joyce Beatty, who told us this is unacceptable, and I demand action from the Postal Service leadership, including the resignation of Postmaster DeJoy. She's not alone in calling for security changes for mail carriers. Last year, Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown sent this letter to Postal Inspector DeJoy asking him to reinstate patrolling duties of postal police officers in the face of increased widespread costly and dangerous armed postal robberies and mail theft. That request came after it was learned that USPS changed their patrols and, quote, restricted the presence to postal facilities while prohibiting them from patrolling mail carrier routes. As for Zaire White, he says retrieving mail from these blue collector boxes are not on his route. However, he told us the post office has already changed how mail is collected here. We don't go to those on uh, like an everyday basis. Is it because of what's happening? It's because of what's happening. That was 10TV's Kevin Landers reporting. The Postal Service says it's working to improve security of that blue collection box system. They're testing some new security locks. And it says it's deployed additional postal inspector personnel to areas with higher letter carrier robberies and mail thefts. We honor the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Columbus is home to the largest MLK birthday breakfast in the U.S., it was my pleasure to emcee that event. Each year, the speakers are invited to have some tough conversations about civil rights, religion, and educational goals. It also includes several major political leaders from our state, including Congresswoman Joyce Beatty. And during her speech, she touched on the drawn-out process to vote on a Speaker of the House. 
At this great inflection point in our nation's history, I urge every one of you to hold on to those words and use it as a clarion call because what America witnessed last week, four days and 15 rounds to elect a speaker of the United States House was confusing and chaotic. It was not intelligence plus character. So I say to all my friends and colleagues, let us remember democracy and justice and freedom. And we certainly wish you a great week. We thank you for being with us today. And we say, who day? Go Bengals. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Here's Tracy with a look at what you can see this morning on 10 TV at 1130. Good morning. I'm Tracy Townsend coming up on Face the State and all call to former presidents and their VPs to check for classified documents at home. We'll verify whether there are actual consequences for breaking the Presidential Records Act. Some say Ohio's new voting law is a solution looking for a problem. We're taking their concerns to the Secretary of State. $2.9 million settlement in a hazing case that made national headlines. It's not the end. Family members say it's not about the money. It's about the future. We'll see you on Face the State at 1130. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and on the phone with me is Matt McLaren, who is the director of Ohio Find It Here. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dave? Good. Thanks for talking to us. Tell us about Ohio Find It Here. We are the state tourism division where we market Ohio to get visitors here and then encourage people within the state to uh, see everything that's in their backyard. Okay. We're uh, obviously right in the heart of winter, which is not Ohio's premier tourism time, but still, I would think, an important part of the economy. Yeah, we still see a lot of people coming to and traveling through Ohio in the winter. Uh, I know we've had a little snow across the state, and that makes a great time at any of our five ski resorts. Um, We have Boston Mills Brandywine up near Cleveland. You have uh, places around central Ohio, um, like Mad River Mountain and snow trails, and they also offer snow tubing at most of them, which is something my family enjoys. And then all the outdoor hiking, state park lodges, all those are wonderful winter activities in Ohio. Today, as we air this Sunday, um, you know, we talk always talk about uh, the Hocking Hills area, which is also popular in the wintertime, and Athens will be hopping today because of the Bengals game with Joe Burrow being from that area. Yeah, well, we're all excited about the Bengals. Uh, who day? Let's see them get a win. Uh, <laughs> but when you're talking about being outside, some of those great hiking trails like Hocking Hills, on cold days, the water falls freeze into amazing frozen ice structures. Uh, one of my favorites to go visit, Ash Cave, which is right there in the Hocking Hills. It's an easy hike in, and you can see this giant 
waterfall, um, frozen features when it's colder out, and the backdrop of all the sandstone makes for a very pretty winter hike. That's a great area, too, because even when you're driving to it in the winter when it's cold out, you've, you've got all these massive icicles that are hanging from the cliffs along the way, too. You do great views, and just the forest with a little bit of snow on it can be really beautiful. Uh, and also, when you're going out to do the hiking, when you're going out across the state, think about our hotels. Make it a couple-day trip. Uh, we have incredible hotels in the cities, like the 21C Museum Hotel in Cincinnati, Ohio, or the new State Park Lodge right at the Hocking Hills. Uh, they did a wonderful job with that property. Uh, lots of great places to have a several-day trip in the winter in Ohio. What about along uh, waterways in the wintertime, you know, Lake Erie with Toledo and Cleveland or Cincinnati, Marietta with the Ohio River, anything going on in those areas? Well, each of those cities that you just named do uh, wonderful events and also can have beautiful views this time of year. A lot of them have outdoor ice rinks, uh, which is something that my family enjoys doing. Uh, And then if you think about those colder days, you can look into the ice fishing, especially on Lake Erie, uh, which tends to draw many people in. They've had just fantastic fishing uh, for the past, really, couple of years here uh, with with walleye uh, in Lake Erie. Yeah, that's interesting because I used to live in a little uh, village near Sandusky called White's Landing that had a lot of the ice shanties out on the lake. And I don't know if there's if it's been cold enough for a lot of that. Maybe so uh, in the last few weeks. It, it's getting colder, and as the days, right, we're in January here, as the days get colder, um, that's when you can look to see the ice fishing. Uh, also, something that's enjoyable is to walk along Lake Erie, uh, the coastline, because a lot of the water that's washing up freezes and makes some pretty impressive uh, ice features uh, on those colder days, too. Talking with Matt McLaren from Ohio Find It Here. Well, one of the big things coming up, of course, is Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's right. I think all the guys out there uh, just got a notice. It's only a few weeks away. But, hey, I got some good ideas for them, so I'm going to help everyone out right now. Sure, go ahead. Um, yeah, the amazing hotels across the state. Uh, we have lots of properties. One of the newest is the Hilton Columbus downtown. They just added a 28-tower, 500-room Um, to it where you can look and see the Columbus skyline. Uh, But then also two of my favorites, really unique, uh, the two castles you can stay in in Ohio, which are Landel's Mohican Castle near Mansfield and then Ravenswood uh, Castle down near the Hocking Hills. Both have those stone exteriors with the towers looking like a true traditional castle. But when you walk on the inside, they have modern hotel rooms with all the amenities, comfortable beds, everything you need for a romantic getaway this winter. Yeah, both of those castles, uh, I think a lot of people are not aware of them. If, if you just look online, it's kind of uh, startling to think that those places are in Ohio because they are really neat looking. They, they are really neat looking. They are, uh, when you drive up to it, it looks exactly like what you think a castle should look like. But I promise you that when you get inside, it has all the features that you want from a, a top hotel. Of course, uh, cabin getaways are popular this time of year. And I know the state parks, too, drop their rates uh, in the wintertime for their cabins. Yeah, it's a great time to think about our state parks, our state park lodges and the cabins. Uh, really, the the ability to go out and hike and even some of the winter biking that we're seeing uh, draws people in. And you can get that those forest views from hiking in the winter that um, it just feels peaceful. And it's one of the things that I enjoy about a winter hike in Ohio. And many of those cabins, too, at the state, not maybe not uh, the majority of them, but uh, a significant number of them now do allow pets there as well. Yeah, there are pet options. You can find information about cabins all across the state of Ohio on Ohio.org. Uh, and within those listings, they do offer information about pets being uh, allowed. I understand January 31st is a special day. What's that about? It is. We're coming up 
on National Plan for Vacation Day. So even though there's lots of great winter things to do in Ohio, it's also fun to think about the spring and summer, which is only a few months away. Uh, in fact, we just put out our 2023 Ohio Travel Guide, which has information about things to do in all 88 counties across the state of Ohio. And it's a lot of fun to order that guide for free at Ohio.org and sit down and think about being in the shores and islands of Ohio this summer or going to wine country, many of the other inviting regions across the state for your spring or summer trip. What are some of the things that begin to happen as the weather starts to warm up, Matt, before we get into the actual, you know, like spring-summer uh, frenzy? Well, to start with, we have um, spring break coming up for many families across the state. Uh, things that are very enjoyable for spring break in Ohio, all the indoor water parks, places like Great Wolf Lodge, and Kalahari, and Sandusky, there's also a Great Wolf Lodge in Mason, Ohio. Uh, they make for great getaways over those um, March and April month timeline. And then just to get out and stretch your legs, there are places, if you want to stay warm, indoors, like COSI in Columbus, the National Museum of the United States Air Force, uh, which has four hangars indoor full of amazing airplanes from the Air Force. Uh, you'll find that over in your Dayton, Ohio. I think uh, maple syrup time is coming up, too, if the warm spell we had didn't wreck that. <laughs> yeah, you can get some uh, authentic Ohio maple syrup. Uh, you can find great restaurants and great places to eat all across Ohio at Ohio.org, including those that serve uh, Ohio maple syrup. We actually have a page on there called Made in Ohio, where you'll find lots of products, uh, beer, wine, toys, maple syrup, and more that's made right here in the Buckeye State. I think in February, usually February or maybe early March, some of the state parks too also have uh like maple syrup making, uh, that kind of thing going on? Yeah, and I've been to one of those before. It's pretty impressive to see how they tap the trees and bring in all those gallons of syrup from the trees to boil it down into the uh, maple syrup that tastes so good on our pancakes and waffles and everything else. Uh, I'll tell you, there is a difference between the real stuff, uh, and it just tastes it, it tastes good. I've been to one of those, too, up around Johnstown, and it's it uh, it's a very uh, intricate process and complicated, a lot more complicated than you would think. Yeah, and a lot of pride taken by the Ohioans that um, usually it's for generations have owned the land and their families that make that Ohio maple syrup. Talking with Matt McLaren, he is with Ohio Find It Here. So, uh, you know, as the economy continues to hang in there, you know, despite all these talks about a recession coming, it's still thriving, a 3% growth. And so what kind of expectations are you having for this summer? Yeah, and we're still seeing the tourism industry do very well, uh, especially in Ohio. You know, it's easy to get to and get around our state. Uh, and what that means, we're seeing people that want to drive into Ohio and have their vacation here. Um, we expect a strong spring and summer season, uh, already seeing some things fill up as you look at the events and festivals that are coming for uh not, not too far away here for that strong spring-summer travel season in our state. Anything else you want to add, Matt? Yeah, right now at Ohio.org, you can find all the things to do in winter in Ohio, and you can order your 2023 Ohio Travel Guide for free, which has over 140 pages of things to do in Ohio throughout the entire year. Excellent. It's a nice, glossy publication. It's, it's really well put together. I appreciate that. Yeah, we call it a coffee table piece. We want people to keep it in their homes and look through it all year round. Okay, uh, Ohio.org. Again, it's uh, Matt McLaren. He is the director of Ohio Find It Here. Thanks for your time today, Matt. Good luck. Hey, thank you, Dave.
This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation to the fan, heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM, that's 1460 ESPN Columbus, and Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM, Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.